pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this evening. Thank you for, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, just blessing us with another opportunity to come into your house and to come into your presence and to, to praise your name. Praise you for, uh, for who you are to us and pr- praise you that, you that you use us to God uh, that, so that others may see you. Father, I pray that your uh, kingdom, God, would be exalted and, and expanded through the ministry of Western Baptist Church. And I pray that you would, uh, you would meet us uh, here within these walls, Father. That, uh, that we would feel your presence, we would know your, uh, see your face and know your glory, God, and, and God, that we would be uh, day by day revolutionized by who you are and by what you've done for us. God, I pray that you would bless this time as we continue to speak on the topic of prayer. Father, I pray that you would uh, work in this time as we uh, take it kind of from a uh, vertical level to a horizontal level and, and uh, seeing that it's still biblical and it's still good. Uh, and so, God, we just ask for your grace to be all over this evening. And, uh, and, and God, that you would speak through me as I stand upon the authority of your word from behind the cross so that you may receive all the glory. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. And so on that note, you can go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. <coughs> we are in the Lord's Prayer as you're turning there. Uh, I read this story about a church uh, that was situated in the Smoky Mountains. And uh, this church uh, had, a, had a member who, who was wealthy, and this member had recently died. And in his will, he had left a significant uh, piece of land to the church. And so the church got this blessing from this man, and they decided, you know what? I am going, we're going to do something with it. And so they built a new sanctuary on the property that this man had given them, and they built a parking lot. Well, uh, ten days prior to the opening of their new building... Uh, the the uh, building inspector came by and he said, we have a problem, Pastor. And the pastor says, okay, what's the problem? And he says, the problem is your parking lot is not big enough for the size of your building. And unless you can uh, increase the size of your parking lot, then you cannot open your building. Now, keep in mind, this is 10 days prior to the opening of their building. And he said, okay, so, so he goes outside and he, and he, and he kind of gazes at what his issue is. And he looks at the parking lot, and the parking lot is built all the way up into the side of the mountain. There's no more room to go. The, the mountain is right there. They don't know what they're going to do. They have no idea. So three days later, uh, they come to, it's, it's Sunday, and, and the pastor comes to his church and he says, guys, tonight we're not going to have any services. We're not going to have choir practice. We're not going to have church. We're not going to have discipleship training. We're not going to have anything like that. What we're going to do is we are going to have a prayer meeting. And he said, if you have the faith that Scripture talks about to move a mountain, because literally, guys, that's what we need. <laughs> if you have the faith to move a mountain, then we, I ask you to come to t- tonight, and we'll spend that time in prayer. That night of a church of 300 people, 24 people showed up for prayer meeting. Those 24 people spent three hours praying that God in some magnificent way would solve their problem. Next morning, now we're six days away from the grand opening, and a construction foreman so happens (laughs) to come to the pastor's office and knocks at the door. And he comes in, he says, Pastor, I have a problem. He's never met this man before in his life. He says, Pastor, I have a problem. He said, how can I help you, sir? He says, listen, we're building a new mall down in the city, and, uh, and we need dirt. 
We just need lots and lots of dirt. He said, I'll tell you what we'll do, Pastor. We will buy that mountain, that piece of mountain that you own right behind your parking lot. We will pay for all the dirt right there, and we will pave everything that we move out of the way free of charge so that, so that you won't have to incur any of the cost. Seven days or six days later, they opened up their church on time. They opened up their church on schedule, and I loved how the story read, when, when I read it, the, the story said, and they had a few more believers that had the faith to move a mountain <laughs> uh, after they saw what God did. Uh, and, and what we're talking about, like, like I said uh, during, during our prayer, is as we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer, and we saw at the very beginning of the prayer that it's very vertical. It's, it's uh, your, your name, and it's your kingdom, and it's your will. But at this point in the prayer where we are, we, we kind of switch from vertical to horizontal, and we see our daily bread, our trespasses is the traditional, but uh, our debts in the NIV, and deliver us. And, and just as that church prayed that God would take care of them exactly where they were in their situation, this is a prayer that God will meet our needs, forgive our sins, and direct our paths exactly where we are. All right? And so, so that's where our scripture is. So read it with me. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. It says, Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, verse 12, we're not going to hit on it tonight because it works so well with verse 14. <laughs> verse 14 says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men when they sin against you, or, <coughs> for, excuse me, forgive their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And so, so we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to team up verse 12 with verses 14 and 15 uh, next week. But, but this week, we're going to look at verses 11 and, and verse 13. 13 and talking about God meeting us where we are, God meeting our needs where we are. And so verse 11 again says, give us today our daily bread. Now this is a very, very short verse of scripture and it only has six words in it, but every one of the words in this verse is very important. So what we're going to do is we're just going to take them in reverse order. All right. So we're going to take them in reverse order and then kind of unfold the puzzle at the very end. All right. So give us today our daily bread. All right, so bread, we're focusing on that word. And this is kind of the thrust behind the prayer, right? This is, this is the blessing that we are actually praying for. And here bread represents what? All food, all sustenance is, is kind of what bread represents here. But what some have tried to do is they have tried to spiritualize this verse by making bread the word of God. Give us this day our, uh, your word. And, and, and we, we can kind of see this, right? In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus says, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And we, and we see the application of this in the songs that we sing. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken, I can't sing to you, me, whatever it is. Anyways, you get the point that... that uh, that, you know, this is, it's not like it's a bad idea, it's not like it's a bad thing, but if you actually look at the context of the verse, the most natural translation, the most natural understanding, rather, is bread equals food. And therefore, the most natural application is to pray that God meets our physical needs. Alright, and so that's what we have here. We have, give us today our daily bread. God, meet me in my physical needs. Help me with my physical needs. Now, obviously, this can be applied in multiple different ways. When we think of physical needs, what do we typically think of? Food, 
water, shelter, those, those sort of things. But we have, we have greater needs than that. It reminds me of a story uh, of a woman who had, who had locked her keys out in the parking lot. And, uh, and she said, oh, I, you know, I, I need to get places, and this is just so inconvenient and just a hard thing. So she just said, God, would you please help me out? Lord, would you just please help me out? Well, a couple minutes later, uh, a biker came by, and he, he pulled up next to her. And, and she said she was a little intimidated. <laughs> she didn't know if she wanted to go through with it, but she said, God, this might be your answer, so I'm going to do it anyways. And so she walked up to the biker and said, listen, I've locked myself out. Is there any way that you can help me? He said, actually, I can. And so he, he got some tools out or whatever he got out, and, and within just a couple of minutes, he unlocked her door. And, and he said, she said, oh, she was so grateful. And she ran and she gave him a big hug. And she said, you are the nicest man. And he said, no, ma'am, actually, I'm not. Uh, I'm actually, uh, to be honest, I've just been released from prison uh, for, for car theft. And in her excitement that she didn't care, <laughs> in her excitement that the, the prayer was answered, she, while she was still holding him and hugging him, said out loud, God, you even sent me a professional. Uh, <laughs> listen, God desires to meet all of our physical needs. And remember, this is a, this is a church, I mean, a prayer for the church. This is not an, just an individual prayer. This is a prayer for the church. So God desires to meet the needs of our church. Now, again, we can, we can kind of stereotype those things. We can kind of narrow those things down in our own mind to like paying the bills or stocking the food pantry or, or even helping each other out when someone in here is struggling with some, something within our own faith family that, that we would, you know, help them out with food. We would help them out with money. We would help them out in their situation. But, but our needs are greater than that. Have we been praying that God would meet us on a very real level and that, that, that we would be changed from the inside out? That our sanctification here at this church would be something that is an ever-growing reality here at Weston Baptist Church. That is a need of the church. Have we been pl- praying for uh, our, not only our spiritual growth, but have we been praying for our numerical growth? Have we been praying that, that people from within the community would, would see what God is doing and that they would come into our church? Have we been praying not only for our numerical growth, but have we been praying that God would take the things that come with numerical growth and be used outside of the walls of this church in order to minister to of the community around us and the world around us? Have we been praying for the salvation of lost souls? There are needs within the church. Now we have to be careful. There is one warning that D.A. Carson gives us. He says, the prayer is for our needs. It is not for our greeds. All right? And bread is, sustaining, is for sustaining life. But caviar is for indulging preferences. And we, what Jesus is teaching us is to ask God for bread. All right? So, give us today... Our daily bread, all right? We're going we're gonna to throw two words together here, okay? Today and daily. We see how that works together. Everybody good there? All right. So give us today our daily bread. Now, obviously, this prayer is a little redundant, because if, if we need bread daily, then obviously we need bread today. <coughs> but at that time, in the culture that Jesus was speaking to, the day laborers were paid on a day-to-day basis. So if they missed just a few days of work, if they missed just a few days of, of receiving that, that check or whatever it was, that money, then they were very literally on the cusp of tragedy. 
They were very literally on, on the very verge of not having anything to eat, not having any, any uh, supplies for their family. And so what Jesus is teaching us here in this moment is that we need to pray with urgency. Give us today. Lord, Lord, we need it today. God, we, we see the needs of our community. Lord, we see the needs of our church. And God, we are beseeching you that today, Lord, you would meet our needs. Today, Father. And listen, we all know God has his own timing. We all know God does his own thing in his own way. And we trust that. We believe in him. We know that he has a greater perspective than we do. So we know that he's got all things perfectly planned and laid out. We get that. We get that. But it doesn't change the fact that God desires for us to have an urgency in our hearts to beseech Him, to come after Him, nonstop, persistent widow. Lord, today, 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 will you meet our needs? And then He says, today, give us today our daily bread. And this teaches us that the, the reality that we are constantly dependent on God. We are constantly dependent on God. On God in Revelation chapter four, uh, the, the passage that we read earlier uh, this morning, we have the elders bow down, worshiping the Father, and they say, "You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being." All right, and so at first glance, it may not uh, do a lot for you there, but. But what he's saying is, God, you are creator, all right? And so we thank you, we praise you that you have created us. But that last little line there, it says, and have their being. What that means is the reason that we exist is because you made us, right? We get that. That's creation. But the reason that we continue to exist is because you made us and, and because you have made it available for us to continue to exist. It is because of you. It is because of your grace. It is because of your gifts that I have another heartbeat. It is because of you, it is because of your grace, it is because of your gifts that I have another breath in my lungs. It is all because of you that I continue to exist. And that's on a very personal level. But as a church, guys, there's, there's an absolute truth behind there as well. You created Weston Baptist Church. You formed this community of believers years and years and years ago. And the only reason that we exist till this day is because of you, God. Because of how good you are, God. Because you have decided that we will continue to exist. And so, God, we, we pray, God, we pray that you would push us forward. We pray that you would continue our existence. We pray that you would move Wesson Baptist Church to where you want Wesson Baptist Church to go. Not status quo. Moving forward where you would have us to go. We get to the next word. Give us today our daily bread. Here's the reality. We, as Wesson Baptist Church, don't need what other people have. Pastors across America go to conferences to learn how to make their church like another person's church. <laughs> and, and, and that that is uh, just a reality, I suppose. And, and I, I want to throw out there, it's not a... All conferences are not bad things. Uh, in fact, I, I think there a lot of conferences are really good things. I think you can learn principles uh, and, and you can learn practices uh, that that you can model and, and, and use for for God's glory within your own church. But to model a church, your entire church, after the ministry of another church, simply because God has blessed that other church's ministry, doesn't make any sense at all. God has designed each and every local body of believers differently. 
So what, what, what always comes into my mind when I think about this is Saddleback Church. That's out in California. That's Rick Warren. When he came out with Purpose Driven Church, you should have seen you know, the conferences nationwide that were purpose-driven conferences and everybody on every church seemingly just jumped on board and said, okay, we are going to be a purpose-driven church. What a catchy title. And, and we're going to do what he does and we're going to follow all the maps and all the plans and all the stuff that he does. And most of that stuff in a year or two just fell by the wayside. We don't need what Saddleback Church in California needs. And we don't necessarily need what Silverina Church in Western Mississippi needs, or New Zion, or Mount Zion, or any other kind of Zion around here. <laughs> all, all those churches, we don't need what they need. We pray that God will give us our daily bread. Our daily bread. Alright? And then we get to the next to last word. It says give us Today, our daily bread. We must remember that, again, this is not a personal prayer, but a corporate prayer. We don't just pray for ourselves, but we pray for our neighbor as if we were praying for ourselves. And this is part of the fellowship and community aspect of being a church. We pray for each other's needs. It reminds me when I was in college that uh, we, me and Carly were in the back seat of, of this girl's car, and, and she was driving to campus and she was just laying it out there. She was just saying all these things that were wrong, all these problems that we, she was having, all these kind of things. And I threw out the general generic, we'll pray for you. <laughs> and Carly stopped. And she said, no, let's pray right now. No, let's, let's actually do this. And she led, Carly led us in a prayer that led this girl to tears. Uh, because she said, okay, wait, you care. You're not, you're not throwing a bow on top and saying, I'll pray about it, wink, wink. No, you, you care and you have stopped. And it is a powerful thing of God when we pray for each other. Uh, excuse me, when we pray for each other as we pray with each other. Listen, you have a need. I want to pray with you. I mean, I want to pray for you with you. I want to pray with you. And, and, and with each other. That's the same thing, same thing goes. There's something powerful when you not only know that the Lord of heaven and earth is being besieged, but that your brother in Christ is, is standing there with you. There's something powerful about that. Finally, we get, a, we get to that first word. Give us today our daily bread. Give. Uh, we, finally, we must realize that God meets our needs as a gift. God meets our needs as a gift. That, that is simply because he desires to do so. That's the reason he meets our needs. We go back to that passage in Revelation chapter 4. It says, For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. It is God's good, perfect, and pleasing will that we exist. And it is God's good, perfect, and pleasing will that we will continue to exist. This is all a gift from God. Now, I would like to throw this on top of there as well. That is not a license for laziness. <laughs> the word give there is not a license for laziness. Okay, Lord, I'm just going to lay everything down. I'm going to go to sleep and say, God, give me everything I need. Okay, this is not a license uh, for laziness. This is not a, a spoiled kid asking his, rich, her, his or her rich father, uh, you know, give me a pony. Okay, <laughs> that's not what this is. Second, Second Thessalonians 3.10 says, uh, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. So D.A. Carson says, 
The idea of God giving the food in no way diminishes responsibility to work, but presupposes that all good things, even our ability to work and earn our food, come from God's hand. And the book of James confirms this by, by Carson by saying in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. And so if we take this one little uh, snippet here, uh, we take this, uh, give us today our daily bread, we could say as a church we urgently pray and trust God to meet our specific needs by His good pleasure. We move down to verse 13, and it says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Uh, Let's just say real quick, this is a theological note uh, right here. God does not lead anyone into temptation, all right? This is important just for everybody to know. This is not saying, this is, this is not a prayer that God would please stop leading us into temptation. Okay, God, you've led me into temptation enough, could you please stop? That, that's not what uh, the verse is saying. That's completely unbiblical, James 1.13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does, any, nor does he tempt anyone, okay? And so, so this is not, uh, that's not what it means. But, but what we do see in Scripture are there are two ways that we are tempted by evil. There are two ways that we are tempted by evil. The first one is Satan. The first one is we have an enemy. And Scripture describes him as a lion waiting an opportunity to devour us. He is what Scripture calls the father of lies. And as he tempted Adam and Eve, and as he tempted Jesus, so he will tempt us. We'll see this kind of stuff. We see this when uh, we fall into the temptation of catering within the church to the rich instead of to the poor, instead of to the needy. I I was in a church where there was one man who was extremely wealthy, and everybody knew he was extremely wealthy. And everybody knew that he was a big giver within the church. And the pastor of this church, uh, the pastor of this church was extremely bogged down, extremely busy, just completely swamped. And this guy calls and says, "Hey, you want to go fishing or whatever it was?" And uh, and he said, "Yeah, absolutely." <laughs> and he dropped everything that he was doing in order to go fishing with this guy. Now, that's, that's not a bad thing, but he was, he was overly booked. And then he just, he just made an exception for this guy. And I asked uh, someone who was close to the situation, and they said, well, it's because he's a big giver. And if you, you can't deny the big givers. I mean, this person was very blunt about it. This, the reason that this happened is because this person is a big giver. And, and so when we see stuff like that, that is, that is the temptation of Satan. That is Satan throwing out an allurement that says, this will be better. This is a better way. This is going to be easier for you. So, so show preference here. That's just one example. Another uh, example uh, that this is more general in scope would be when we, when we uh, want to exalt people or we want to exalt programs or we want to exalt pageantry or we want to exalt what's popular more than we exalt Jesus Christ. That is a subtle move of a crafty serpent, and it's Satan. It's Satan. Anything that we exalt more than Jesus Christ is Satan. 
So that's one of the ways that we're tempted. We are tempted by evil uh, through Satan. The other way that we are tempted is our own evil desires, as Scripture puts it. James 1, 14 and 15 says, But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Uh, in World War I, there was a famous, uh, there was a famous fighter pilot, and uh, and he there, he his name I read it, but there's no way that I could pronounce it. So we'll just go with what he was called because everybody will recognize it. He was called the Red Baron, and now some of us recognize it because of history. Others recognize it because he's on the front of a pizza box. I mean that that that's me right there. But but anyways, he was in combat, and he was he was known for two things. He was known for his red plane because it made him distinctive, and secondly, he was known as a killer. Because he had a t- kill tally of 80 deaths. He had, he had shot down 80 enemy planes. But on April 21st, 1918, he began to chase a Canadian plane. And as the Canadian plane realized, oh no, <laughs> I got the Red Baron on me, he starts to fly back toward the Allied side. He's, he's going. And so he's flying, and he's flying low. Because he knows if he flies low and he gets onto the Allied side, that he'll be in range for other people to shoot down the Red Baron. And so he flies low and he crosses into Allied territory side and the Red Baron decides that he doesn't care. And he goes after this Canadian plane into Allied territory, flying low, and he does not recognize that another pilot, another Canadian pilot, comes up behind him, named Brown. And then this is, the, this is the press report that came out after the Red Baron was shot down. We will never know whether it was a shot from the ground or a shot from Brown that killed the Red Baron. But what we do know is that he came to his end because he made the mistake of pursuing that Allied plane too long, too far, and too low into enemy territory. What we see here is we see something, we want something, we chase after something, and then it's too late. And then it's too late. You can't turn around. It's already got you. Now here's the, here's the reality. Whether it be Satan or whether it be our own evil desires is very difficult to distinguish, distinguish between sometimes, but it doesn't really matter. Whether it's Satan or our own evil desires, it doesn't really matter because the way that God deals with both of these situations is exactly the same. So how does God direct our paths? How does God lead us back to Himself? How does He he turn us from temptation and deliver us from the evil one? James 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. When we drop our pride, When we drop our pride and submit our lives to God, we will draw near to Him. You hear that? It's this this active submission. It's this active saying, your will. It's this active, your thing's more important than my thing. You are greater than I am. Saying, okay God, I'm submitting myself. I'm, I'm dropping myself down to the ground in humility. And I'm drawing close to you. I'm submitting everything to you. And as we experience His presence, as we experience the joy of God, 
as we experience the glory of God, as we experience the comfort of God, as we experience the closeness of God, when we have God all around us and we are pursuing in an active relationship to follow after God, all of a sudden those beautiful things that Satan were throwing out there are going to show their ugly heads. All those beautiful things that the world was dangling at our, in our face, guess what? They are going to show their ugly heads because in comparison to what we have to, with God, they are ugly, they are filth, they are trash, and they need to be discarded. It's kind of like the adrenaline junkie. Once you've jumped out of an airplane, a high dive doesn't seem so crazy anymore. Well, Once we have been in an active and growing relationship with the holy, majestic, perfect omniscient, omnipresent, uh, uh, all the other omnis, whatever they were, my mind's going blank. Uh, uh, The God of creation. What, What does Satan have to offer us? What does the world have to offer us in comparison? So we pray with Jesus as the church. We pray that you, Father, would draw us to yourself and away from the temptations of Satan and this world. We want God to meet our specific needs here at Western Baptist Church. The needs, of, the needs of our individual members, but the collective needs of our church. And we must pray. We must pray specifically, and we must pray together for God to meet these needs. Do we want a church that is pursuing hard after God and resisting the allurement of the world? And we must pray. We must pray that God would draw our hearts unto Himself. E.M. Bounds wrote a book called The Power of Prayer. And in this book he said, Men are God's method. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better Not new organizations or more and novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer. Men mighty in prayer. The Holy Spirit does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but men. Men of prayer. We want Jesus to show up. We want the Holy Spirit to move in a mighty way. We want the power of God. I'm reading a book right now about power, I mean, excuse me, prayer and fasting, and describing it as the gateway to, a, to the power of God. If we want those things to happen, if we want to see God move, if we want to see God come and meet our needs where we are, we must be in prayer. We must be in prayer. We must be in prayer for our services. We must be in prayer for our missions. We must be in prayer for our people. We must be in prayer every inch and every second. We must be in prayer over everything. For this is God's house, and we are God's people, and that is God's way of blessing. Let's pray together. God, I love you. I praise you. And I ask your forgiveness where I fall so drastically short in this own uh, topic, I guess. Lord, where where I don't pray enough for this church, where I don't pray for our leadership enough, where I don't pray for salvation enough, 
God, forgive me and inspire me and challenge me. And God, put it on the forefront of my mind that when I don't do it, God, that it would be an active sin against you, not a passive one, because I know that you would have me do it. God, I pray this same prayer for all of us. And then when that moment comes and we make that decision whether to pray or not to pray, God, I pray in that moment when we don't pray, crush us. God, you'd absolutely crush us. But in that moment when we submit our pride and we submit our schedule and we submit our things to you and we say, God, you want this for our church. You want this within our church. God, we're going to pray until you bring it. We are going to pray urgently until you step in and you change everything. Do whatever it is that you need to do for your glory and for your kingdom. God, we just pray. Trust. Say, come do it, Lord. Doesn't remove our responsibility, Father. Still responsible to you. We're still responsible as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, to do just that. To follow Jesus Christ. Follow his example. But Lord, we work like it depends on us. And we believe like it all depends on you. We pray like it all depends on you. So, Father, we love you. We ask in the name of Jesus that you would draw us to our knees by that name that we